0: Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we stumble through the MCU by watching one Marvel Studios film each week until we reach the mega epic blockbuster that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Billy and I'll be your host this week as we look at Ant-Man. As always, joining me is my co-host, Christoph. Hey! Hello, friend. Long time hey. no see. yeah, C. it's been a little
1: while. Uh, thanks to Podcast Magic, uh, you wouldn't have known, but I've been away for about three weeks? Yes, so have
0: recorded... Three episodes in advance. That was a that
1: was a rough week trying to cram them in. Well, I've crammed a few things in. I was a, in yeah, time. I was just waiting for what for you to go there with a sexual joke, but yeah, look well, good to be back, Billy. Well, it depends on
0: anyway. I'm not going to go there.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, welcome back. Thank you. Now you showed me something today that I can't unsee. Is yes, it... I posted it on my
0: Facebook. There is this photo of Stan Lee. The man lying late. down on a couch naked but covering his junk with an issue of hulk versus the batman like a giant-sized copy
1: what a f- I, I like know. how i like how he he felt, felt I had used, like in. a giant-sized copy
0: yeah i zoomed in so
1: to Did find the a look?
0: to find the cover yeah. of the comic
1: Man, what, like, I want to know why that photo exists. Like, at what point was someone well, like, "Hey, Stan, apparent- can you take your yeah. clothes off and stick your dick in a Marvel comic?"
0: Well, apparently, it's. Um, have you ever read the Untold Tale of Marvel Comics? It's a book. Is that the com-
1: oh, No. Oh no. Yes, I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Yeah.
0: So it's in that. I haven't had a chance to read it. I owned it for a while, but that's that's my problem, as most with book people, you buy things and you don't read them. Yeah, you have like a bookshelf full of books, but no time. Yes. Um. Yeah. So apparently, back in the day, they were just doing crazy shit, like people were. What do you mean by crazy shit?
1: People were dressing up as like you know heroes.
0: Yeah. No. it's well, yeah, Interesting.
1: The, I feel like you're not answering the question. Wait. Do you reckon they were just coked out? No, I don't know about coked out. Or what? Or was it? Was this like when Marvel was like, in financial trouble, and they were trying whatever they could to keep it afloat.
0: No, that, oh, no, I'm talking. I'm thinking this is like the 60s. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. Because the photo was in black and white, fortunately. Yes, I, don't want any more, I don't want any more detail. Really? You sure no. you don't? No. Okay.
0: 1983. The eight, Okay, so it was, it was in the 80s. Yeah, the editorial staff was at the peak of its yuck, yuck, hand buzzer giddiness. Uh, what is that? Sho- what? that they'd that, been shooting photos of each other. That means nothing. They'd been shooting photos of each other in superhero costumes for some of the covers... Several staff members appeared on the cover of the latest issue of Spider-Woman. And they're, now they were putting together a comic that consisted wholly a photo of intra-office intra hijinks. They wanted to include Stan the Man, Lee, the original ringmaster. And he jumped at the chance to pose for a nude Marvel staff. He was, jumped at the chance. Yeah, he Marvel, wanted this. Marvel staff was photographed Lee with an oversized comic covering his private parts. Soon after they received a call from his assistant in in LA, Stan is wild," said the assistant. "He should not have been naked for your centerfold. Please don't." A Hulk costume was later superimposed over Lee's body in post-production. Wow, okay. Yes.
1: Uh, got a few questions. Yes. The first was do you think that he had underwear on or he went... Oh, he was Mulhog. naked. He was naked, F- you reckon? Full uncut real... No, wait, no, full cut realness. Because here's the thing. I am maybe speaking from personal experience. It's very easy to make it look like you're naked when you just like wear underwear, you cover it up. No. Like with like a... He didn't have flesh underwear that they use in movies.
0: Mm. Or the
1: flesh sleeve, whatever <laughs> it is. Um, you know, I, I feel like he was naked. Why? I think it and also, the day what, he was born. what do you think happened to that comic? Do you think they burnt it, or does some nerd own it now? And is it like what, like graded and worth a whole bunch snips of money? Sit in the middle of the night. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> I love grossing you out. It's it's very easy. I'm a prudish man. Yeah. yeah so I babe, whatever. I I think you I'm act a prude, but you're clearly the devil. So look, I think I'm going to have to retract my statement about Stan Leeds should be seen and not heard, and say they should be neither. After after that monstrosity, uh, like he jumped at the chance. He was keen. I he know. was waiting for an opportunity. We
0: might have a di- disagreement about um our stand watch for this movie really? and next week's episode
1: as well. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm keen because I'm a, I was a big fan of this week's stand cameo for a very very a reason that you've probably already figured out. You don't hear it. Yeah, yeah uh, yes, but we're we'll getting that a little bit <laughs> yeah. later.
0: Um. So yeah, this week we are discussing
1: Ant Man. Yeah, uh the Paul Rudd Paul Rudd making his debut in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just gonna put it out there. I love Paul Rudd. He is a dream boat. You say that like it's a controversial statement. He's no, it's gotta not. be the most likable actor I just wanna of. be Yeah. I just want to love Paul Rudd and be loved by Paul Rudd. <laughs> okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have any follow ups. I I have a major you're babe. One, I have a I agree, and I have a major gripe with my wife that she doesn't think that Paul Rudd's an attractive man, and it really what cuts is into my core. What's
0: with your wife? You must have well lost a lot. Her now.
1: Wow the the look of the look of sternness that overcame your eyes. Yeah, I think he's <sighs> I think Paul Rudd is an absolute delight. Yes, yes, he is. And we get and we get a bit of scruffy right in this film. Yes, and that tickled my fancy quite a lot. Well, look, what, do we do we want to do we want to cut to the trailer? All know, right, let's let's cut to the trailer before your fancy gets any more tickled. Oh, it's already been tickled.
0: Mind the puddle. Imagine a soldier the size of an
1: insect. The ultimate secret weapon. If you give godlike powers to everyone, it's going to be chaos.
0: So how do we stop him?
1: By knowing I. God, I've been watching you for a while. You're different, and I believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption. Do you? Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. Are you ready to become a hero?
0: Now, the suit has power. You have to learn how to control
1: it. And these are your greatest allies. You're kind of cute. Whoa. When you're small, you have
0: superhuman strength. you like a bullet. So you need to know how to punch. You want to show me how to punch? Show me how to punch. That's how you punch.
1: You tried to hide your suit from me.
0: Now, it's gonna blow up in your face and destroy everyone you care about. Scott, get out of there!
1: Did you think you could stop the future? You're just a thief. No. I'm Ant-Man. I know. It wasn't my idea.
0: And we're back. That was the trailer for Ant-Man. Uh, now, let's talk um, about just the, the time when the movie came out. So, the movie was released uh, July 17th, uh, 2015.
1: Yeah, so, of course, it was the second Marvel film to come out that year, I believe, along with yes. Avengers 2, which we discussed last week. Yes, Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, it's directed by Peyton Reed. Is Peyton or Peyton? I Peyton, I think. Now, yeah. Billy, are you familiar with Have Had you heard of him or familiar with his work before he was attached yes, to it? Yes, I am. Really? Because, because I love Bring It On. Wait, he was the guy who directed
0: Bring It On? Yes, he was the director of Bring It On. And also, I don't mind his other film, Down with Love.
1: With love, Okay. From 2003. Um, he
0: did the um, he also directed the, break, the breakup, which is it's a what tough slog of a film. What a
1: weird dis- discography uh, in terms of like he also directed film. Yes Man, which I can't remember yes. if I've seen. I'm I'm actually on his IMDb now, and I actually really like I one really like Yes, yes Man. Man. So it's a Jim Carrey film where Jim Carrey decides He's going to say yes to everything. Uh, yes, it's yes, a later yes, it's yes, a later Carrey yes. film, and it's it's serious brooding Carrey. Is it before he did
0: the horror film? I can't
1: remember what it was number yeah.
0: twenty-three or number twenty-eight. Oh, the number
1: twenty-three. I thought that was more of a thriller than a horror. And that was definitely, Vincent, definitely Vincent, after. Vincent. I would say maybe like three or four years after that. Okay.
0: So yeah, look, it was directed by Peyton Reed, who is now going to be directing the Ant-Man second and f- Ant yeah. Man and
1: the as well, which it's, is which is cool. You know what's interesting is that he seems on. It, he seems like a weird pick for Ant Man because he doesn't really have any action chops yet. I guess it makes sense because the comedy in this film is really fucking good.
0: Yeah, and look, I feel like if they keep it to, to the similar sort of vein as this film, oh, with great. the sequel.
1: Yeah. Mm. Now
0: we have to talk about the the elephant in the room. The elephant in the
1: room, uh, now, which is that puddle Billy left, but also the fact that Edgar Wright was. Yeah. So, ed- so yeah, Edgar- didn't Edgar Wright sort of champion this film for ages? So Edgar Wright.
0: Um, has been trying to make an Ant Man film with Joe Cornish, who is his um, regular, I think, collaborator mm-hmm. um, since two thousand and six.
1: Now two thousand and six. I'm just trying to think of what uh, what Edgar Wright film came out about then. That would have been well, Hot Fuzz.
0: Yeah, uh, probably. Yeah, just before Hot Fires. But what came out? Um, marvel was
1: nothing. 2006, no. We, two years later, we got Iron Man. Yeah. So even so, before Marvel was a thing, he wanted to... The Marvel I Cinematic Universe yeah, was a I thing. Yeah, I think that's when Marvel was putting out on the feelers for all their films to tackle the oh, Marvel really? Cinematic
0: Universe. Well, they have been starting for a little while. Yeah,
1: but do you really think in that first run of feelers, they'd be like, all right, we need an Ant-Man film? I mean, the film itself... Depends, depends,
0: depends on if they were going down the route of, like... the core Avengers crew. Because oh. in
1: the comics, Ant-Man... Yeah, um, he's one of the founders of the Avengers. Yes. But, I mean, in terms of, like, cinematic, I guess, appeal, and sort of, uh, I mean, shrinking is very, potentially very hard to bring to a screen without it looking goofy. True. Um, but so, it, it would I, just seem like a weird pick for that first Wrong. I think when they brought him in, it was a good time to well, bring him in. as
0: we know, I feel like Iron Man was a test subject, so... For sure. Yeah. Um, but, however... On the 23rd of May, Wright and Marvel issued a joint statement that Wright would be exiting the movie due to creative differences. Mm. Um, so according to Wright, he's he was hired as a writer-director mm-hmm. but became unhappy when Marvel wanted to write a new script. Um, in 2017, so after the film came out, he said, the most diplomatic answer is, I wanted to make a Marvel movie... But I don't think they really wanted to make an Edgar Wright movie. Having written all my other f- movies, that's a tough thing to move forward. Suddenly becoming a director for hire on it, you're sort of less emotionally invested and you start to wonder why you're really there. So then, yeah. And then it was replaced by Peyton Reed. Um, who sort of felt, when he came on, felt like a gun for hire. Yeah, Peyton Reed that did that. Initially, he was very much of the... I didn't want to come here, like, um, he didn't want to come up here and just, like, you know, be thrust and given, like, a shit film to write. But then, like, he realised, look, they wanted to keep the main vein of the stuff that Edgar Wright had planted, but keep it more in line with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, sort of shift it along. Yeah, and I read another statement, um, uh, event, uh, Vangeline Lilly, yeah. uh, who plays Hope Van Dyne, she said, look, she read both scripts, the revised and the original, and she said both are fantastic, except the Edgar Wright script was very much something that would suit Edgar Wright's movie universe, not a Marvel universe. And if they had actually made Edgar Wright's movie, it would have stuck
1: out like a sore thumb. Yeah, Which that's I interesting. Get, well,. I think because if you look at the Marvel movies we've had at this point, uh, I mean, look, we had Guardians, and yeah. some. Pe- I know a lot of people like to act like Guardians was different, and I, I know it has a word. The James Gunn film, it's, it's a movie. very much yeah. a Marvel film, and that's why it works because it's not yeah. a James Gunn film. Well, this is the thing. This
0: is sort of similar to Black Panther in that it's very much a. It's its own film with some ties to stuff. In that, mm-hmm. like, so in Black Panther, we saw the tie with.
1: Uh, what's his name? Well, he's dealing with the aftermath of Avengers: Civil War. for Avengers: Civil War. Uh, um, Bucky. Oh, uh, Everett Ross. Everett it? Ross. Um, and Claw. You'll see. And Claw. Claw. They're sort the, of. The, they're the links to the wider universe. Yeah,
0: and then sort of like with this, the links to the wider universe is more. They mention. Avengers Age of Ultron
1: in that like that's right. in, a very G- dis- ben- in a very dismissive way which I liked I didn't mind that I think it played into the whole idea of sort of uh, Hank Pym is sort of almost too too up himself to be part of like the Avengers anymore well and sort
0: of but like he was oh, he never really well I mean he, he see, quit shield really, he like he punched the guy and quit shield he quit shield because he didn't want ...people to take his formula. He wouldn't be the only one to use yeah, it. Yeah,
1: but he sort of had this superiority conflict... ...which we'll, yeah. we can talk about a little later.
0: Yes, yeah. but so I feel like... ...we were maybe... ...blessed... ...that they... They took Peyton on? Uh, take Peyton on and Edgar Wright and Marvel mm. decided to end relationship. I feel like it might have been a good thing. Yeah, look... And I, I really enjoy the film. And then look, Edgar Wright has gone on to make his heist film... Baby, are we
1: talking about Baby Driver? Yeah, and I Which, talked to... Have you, uh, have you seen Baby Driver? I have seen Baby Driver. I wasn't Driver. a fan.
0: I liked parts of it, but then I thought about it more afterwards, and I think I didn't enjoy it as much as I initially did. Mm. It's weird. Because usually when you watch it a second time, that's when you figure it out.
1: That's when you dive in deep, right? Yeah,
0: but then it was more like I was diving deep by talking about the film with someone else. I, think I was talking with a, um, Stu, Who? who's a friend of, friend of the show and part of Geek of Oz. Um, we both were, I think, were in the camp of, like, it's good film, but not, oh my god, it's
1: meat. I, and I think, for me personally, what I found was, like, the whole, because Edgar Wright talks about, like, he always had this idea of a music-driven heist film. Yeah. But the film's nothing more than that. There's no theme, there's no teeth there. Yeah. There's nothing you can sink into except for some interesting action.
0: And I wonder how much of the heist film that's, in the original script for Ant-Man is kind of... Or in this particular script for, for the um, Baby Driver. Interesting. Like, oh, if you, if you took anything across. Yeah, a lot of the ideas maybe. that he wanted.
1: Yeah, Because it's maybe. a bigger
0: crew in Baby Driver. Yeah, it is. And there were a lot of characters or people that were going to be part of the original script. To this really? this cut, I think.
1: I, I, look, I think this cast had... Like, I wouldn't... I think the cast was hit the right amount it felt big enough yeah but any more and it would have felt too big yeah um
0: okay well, so I wanted to talk about as per usual so the budget and box
1: up yeah let's so do the numbers the budget numbers. was 142 million okay so that's less than I, less than the first Iron Man film. yeah
0: and it made 519 million
1: Okay, so I from memory that's comparable to the first Iron yeah. Man film, but did so for a not well-known character in the public eye. It did yeah, reasonably it well. it Did reasonably well. And remember, Billy, that at the time people were saying, were thinking this could be the first Marvel flop.
0: Yeah, and it actually, like, people were like, Ugh like kind of is shit." And it's like, no, but this, is, but this is when sort of you noticed Marvel were doing. Um, they're getting both themed here, right? films as well. It's like you know.
1: Oh, like leaning into that thing you said about how every film was a superhero film plus another genre, and yeah. you think they're leaning into this? Well, cause... this was clearly a heist film.
0: Like it had an yeah, ocean... it was, more or less. it had an Ocean's Eleven style feel.
1: Yeah, I it's wouldn't... not in the, va- in the same. I would league heist film wise as Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, I think I mean the compromise you make with all these films is because they're being two films. The second film they're being is never as good as no, no a no, pure film of that genre. One. Um,
0: so yeah, uh, the screenplay was, as per usual, written by, as we, sorry, as we discussed, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Um, Joe Cornish has done, like, The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn. Yes. Was that the feature film?
1: That was the feature film. Yeah, Yeah, the animated one. Yeah, I watching that. Yeah, look, it was a decent action movie. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, mind-blowing, but it had a lot of, the action was handled well. okay. Um, and Attack the Block, which I still haven't seen. Okay, yes, I'm...
0: Was Edgar Wright
1: involved in Attack the Block?
0: I think he might have helped out. I know Nick Frost was. Yeah. Um, Adam... Another person that helped out on the script was Adam McKay. Um, he's the one who, who came on afterwards, um... When it was Peyton Reed, himself, and Paul Rudd. So, like, I think, um... Adam, sorry, my mind's a blank. Um, Adam McKay's came on more to make sure to help out with the humor, I think a bit interesting. Um, and he's behind some some amazing films like Anchorman. Um, oh wow! Yeah, yeah, that's a that's something. That's Step Brothers. Like, um, Tim a, and Eric's billion dollar film. That's
1: a very impressive resume in terms of like comedy because yeah. all the well, I know like uh, Anchorman. And Step are both like highly revered as some of the highlight highlights of um, yeah
0: of Will Ferrell's career. He worked on it. Uh, he worked on SNL, so I feel like he might have been like a writing partner of Paul Rudd as well because Paul Rudd did a lot of writing. Has done a lot of comedy writing. Mm. I mean, what, his early strengths of comedy as well. I think he was on SNL for a little bit. Was he? I might be wrong. Okay.
1: But... Yeah, I, I I'm not quite but, sure. But
0: but. Um, uh, yeah, Paul Rudd got a writing credit
1: for this as well, so he helped it. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. I'm. Re- I don't want to talk about it too much now, but I'm keen to talk to with you on we going to pick up about the comedy in this film because I think it's really remarkable. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, and as per usual, we look. We
0: talk about all the Rotten Tomatoes. Um. Just as a general premise, like the it got an It's not infallible, but it's a good yeah. metric. I mean, nowadays. Rotten Tomatoes isn't as reliable. Re- re- reliable or regarded, given that people can hack it or organise a group um, sort of flaming of a film. By yeah, Rotten and Tomatoes. by hack
1: we mean like organo- like a whole bunch of people organise to downvote something, yeah. basically. But I mean,
0: if you go into Rotten Tomatoes, you can, if you drill down into a film, you can find literally your section and focus on just stuff um, written by critics. Okay, so which is a more which accurate is, yeah, measure? Which is a more accurate
1: measure? So, how, how did Ant Man do? So, Ant Man got eighty-two percent, which, which is, is pretty good. Is pretty that pretty good? Is that in line with a lot of the other Marvel films? Yeah,
0: I mean, it's some of the mid mid-tier ones.
1: Okay, hmm. I think. Look, I personally think Ant Man is upper mid-tier. Oh yeah, 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 it's in my top ten. I
0: don't remember off the top of my head whereabouts it is, but as I mentioned to you, I think as we've been trying to organise to catch up for this. My my grouping while watching for this podcast.
1: My movies changed have quite, changed a yeah. bit, yeah. Well I mean for the start of the thing, Iron Man two fell out of favour with both of us. Yes. Given its terrible depiction of women. Well, do we want to jump into um into pickups now, Billy? Yeah, sure. Okay, so
0: pickups is the section where we like to pick apart the film and talk about individual things that we liked, enjoy, or noticed on a rewatch. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we've watched this film two, three, four times. Other times... How many times have you seen Ant-Man? So for Ant-Man, for me, yeah. Ant-Man for me it's three. What about you? Yeah, three for me, which is weird, because, like, I really enjoy this film. And I've mentioned to you before, like, there are some films where I absolutely love them, but I've only seen them, like, a handful of times, like The Prestige. I've seen that maybe twice, but it's one of my favourite films.
1: Uh whereas, you know, a popcorn film I watch multiple times. Yeah, I I think it's for me, I I often have the same thing. There's a couple of films which I sort of hold on a pedestal and revere and I've only seen them once or twice. And it's mm. films that rely on like a twist. Yeah. I think with Ant Man, it follows the uh one of the, the tropes of the heist genre, which is sort of Halfway or whatever through the heist, obviously things go wrong and things don't go according to plan. Yeah, and I think the the twist and how how everything goes haywire and then how the heroes recover is such a big part of heist movies that I think it makes it a, them potentially a little bit hard to rewatch. Yeah, and with on this watch, I had the benefit that I would forgotten what the twist was uh, and I'd kind of forgotten what happened, so I was able to enjoy it again. Whereas heist films, I don't mind rewatching. Really?
0: Them. Yeah, I like because it's. The adrenaline and, like, you know they're going to get away with it, but... How? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, you know, a film like Hackers, I will watch more than... At least once or twice a year. Because it's an amazing Why? film. It's an amazing piece of cinema.
1: Uh, I'm Look, we'll... we'll, we'll it learn.
0: is on my... If you're stuck on a deserted island,
1: a list of movies. It is on my list of okay. movies. So I assume that the Desert island has a DV, DVD player? Yes. Okay, good to know.
0: Don't poke holes in my
1: okay, in your in your I will hurt weird you. argument. Alright, well look, shall we get into
0: pickups? What Yeah, do-
1: let's talk so you let's start off with you. What what's one pickup that you want to discuss? Well, I'd love to talk about the cast in this film. Because uh, no, I think I, I mean a lot of the Marvel films have impressive casts and there's no exception. Yeah, no, um it's
0: yeah, it's got some really cool I like I it, obviously, it's got poor Rudd. Sweet, sweet Rudd. Yes, yeah, Sweet, sweet Rudd playing Scott Lang. So, not the original Ant Man. So, in the Marvel Comics, there's three Ant Mans. There's, uh, there's Hank Pimp. Ants Men. Ants Men. There's Hank
1: Pimp, Scott uh-huh. Lang, and gotten the other one the third one who, i wasn't aware that there was a craig third something is he the one who's irredeemable ant-man yes okay i'm not yeah i'm not sure but my but i think he was like an agent of shield who gets yeah, access a, to the yeah, ant-man was like a
0: dodgy agent of shield and like he, the loser who somehow got into shield but didn't and is also doing the we'll take a bribe and then get someone
1: else laid like, off for it and, if, it, and I, if I remember correctly, there was like a like one or two pages where he just uses the Ant-Man suit to like perv on Captain Marvel, who at that point was Miss Marvel in the shower. So that gives you an idea of the sort of caliber yes. of the person he is. Yeah.
0: Um, but, well, there's a character in this that's in that series as well. Eric O'Grady really? is the name. Eric O'Grady is the okay. name of the irredeemable poor Ant-Man. Has he gone on to be Ant-Man after that He's series? He's Ant-Man now. Really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um,. So yeah and then we've got uh, Evangeline Lilly as Hope Van
1: Dyne yeah, which who, was
0: interesting
1: which I'm trying to think has she been what a, has she been in many big films? I know her from Lost, right? But I yeah, can't look, think of I, anything else.
0: I think this is one of her um I don't know more breakout roles. I she feels it like it. Yeah, I liked her in it. She
1: was great. Yeah, I I thought she was very good. Yeah, um and it was
0: a, it was interesting that they went with um hope van dyne though because everyone not many people were gonna not many people really were trying to figure out how they're gonna go if it was gonna be hank pym and then it was said hank pym isn't isn't going to be the ant-man in the film which i i like that they went with hope
1: van dyne yeah i i do too i uh and i i think the way they sort of picked bits of the the ant-man sort of Mythos that they wanted to use and and changed other bits. I think it was really clever, mm. and I think it speaks to the strength of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is when they sort of streamline, uh, streamline complex comic book continuity in a way that's easy to, easy to to pick up and pick up on.
0: Yeah, it. I like how in this, there's like a a weird
1: mentor-pupil thing going on, a passing of the torch between Michael Douglas kind of. and Scott Lang. I'd love to talk about that a little bit later, because I, I I, mean, he is the Marvel Universe's, I believe, One first, of the first. first legacy... Marvel Cinematic well, Universe. after sorry. Cap, after Cap. First first legacy heroes. Yeah. Oh, but, but Cap doesn't pass down the shield in the Cinematic Universe. I'm just speaking in terms of the oh, Cinematic yeah, Universe, yeah, sorry. I think
0: he was... I think he was out... I think he was... Sort of after Cap went into the ice, I think. Oh, in the comics. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. In the movie, cinematic. Oh, sorry. Of when
1: Ant Man, yeah, Yeah. Um, became Ant Man. Yeah. Um. And then we've got. Well, Michael is it Michael Douglas who plays Hank Pym? Yeah. I mean, he's a big. I like him.
0: Well, I mean, I've always liked Michael Douglas in a lot of his roles. I really enjoyed him in this.
1: Yeah, he has, a, he has a strange, a weird mix of, like, he can both be incredibly warm and then just switch it off and suddenly become very ice cold. Oh, yeah. And, but it, oh, it always feels organic, which I think is a, a, real, a real skill. When he's ice cold in this, it just
0: reminds me of some of the past, some of the previous um, films he's in where he's ice
1: cold, like, like Basic Instinct, for example. It's like, whoa. Yeah, he really has a, a gravitas to him. Uh, mm. Someone else who stood out for me was Michael Penner who plays Luis. Yes, who uh, does is one of my favourite comedy tropes, which is it's sort of when it's like the 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 person who you think is sort of low class uh, thug who happens to be very sort of like into highfaluting hobbies yeah. and high high culture.
0: He's gone on to do a few things since... Well, his... he was in the film Chips. He
1: was one yeah. of the stars of that... Well, not that that film did particularly well, but yeah, he was a really, leading man.
0: Yeah, he's getting more leading roles. And I think I think he got some leading roles on TV as well. Oh,
1: I know that a lot of people really liked the character of Lewis, Lewis and I think he really sort of... Uh, he definitely adds a lot to the film. Mm. Um, we've got... Yeah, who, who
0: else is the board in this film? Bobby Cannavale as Paxton, which is... Um, oh,
1: yes, uh... He's engaged to Scott Lang's former wife, uh, Maggie, who is played by oh, what's the name of the actress? Because uh, she, of course, is in Arre- Arrested Development and also Archer. She, it's Judy Greer. She, has, yes, she's Judy the best. Greer
0: is the best. She's just. She has that weird, dark sense of humor. Yeah. And I but she like... looks normal That's why it's so funny yeah, you, like? And I feel like it. Everyone that's involved With Archer Has a dark sense Of humour. It's amazing
1: Yeah You know what's weird to me Is that they got Judy Greer To be essentially A straight woman Like she's not She's not funny Like she's not a kooky character Which is like Oh on this In this Oh film, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah I thought you were I thought you were calling um, What's her name
0: uh, God the character She plays on um, Archer Oh yeah and The straight woman I'm No,
1: like, no. <laughs> I'm like I She's on acid twenty four seven. I'm like, why would you get her just to play a generic, a, a generic ex wife? Like, she has so much more range. But anyway, I've seen her do serious roles before, well, and she played a similar role in Jurassic World as well. Yeah, she's like a good just. She seems to be good at just like generic mum. Yeah. All right. Uh, look, shall we go to another Shall we go to another pickup? I feel like we've covered the cast pretty Yeah.
0: Long. All right. So you wanted to talk about um, this is one of your pickups because you wanted to talk about how you weren't a huge fan of um. A yellow Jacket in this film, yeah. Well, and by Darren Yellow Cross, yeah, Darren played, Cross,
1: uh, played by Corey Stoll, yeah. I was also, I, lo- very, I, lo- very, I actually liked Corey Stoll in The Strain, yeah. in this, I thought he did okay with what he was given. I think what he was given was rubbish. He, I've <sighs> mentioned to this off, off mic,
0: he reminded me of you've mentioned he reminded you of like. He's generic sort of, tech villain Or generic yeah. business villain there's n-
1: Yeah he, there's, like, he wants money He'll do whatever it takes to get it There's nothing interesting Or nuanced about that Yeah It's like he
0: was I don't know For me It was like he was a combination Of
1: Justin Hammer mm-hmm. And um, uh, What's of course play, Played uh, by Oh what's no, no I've forgotten his name Now I'll try and bring up Sam um, Sam what's his name?
0: Yeah, um, and
1: uh, what's his name from the first Iron Man film? Oh, ah, uh, oh, we're, we're terrible at names today. But yes, Obadiah Stane played. Obedar Obedar who yeah, so played I felt, the dude. Yeah. So I felt Jeff like Bridges. There Jeff we Bridges.
0: go. So I felt like it was a combination of those two, but less of the Justin Hammer schmaltiness. I honestly because he did have he some was just sort sh-
1: of slight charisma ish. Yeah, but he had a warmth to him, but so did Obad. Like he was just to me a shitty Obadiah Stane. Okay. He, there was no new there was just no nuance to him. I oh, know, but you wouldn't see Obadia oh wait, you wouldn't see Obadiah ten just blatantly Psh, kill and, but, okay. I mean I love that. I did not like that. Because, really? Yeah, because being like a being a corrupt sort of c- like a CEO who's just unethical is one thing, but killing a guy that's another and it seemed yeah, like Yeah, but you could tell that he's being he's unhinged. But there was the, the he should have done something else unhinged first before he freaking killed found the that guy. Hilarious, though. Come on. Okay. Killing your underling for questioning you and then
0: wiping him up and putting him in the toilet.
1: That's okay. Just... I want to, I want to ask you. Here's a a, a floor that is logic. very like Skeletor's type oh my villain. Goodness. Really, Skeletor's who you put on a pedestal is like the best villain. One of the better villains. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um. Okay. What annoyed, what an annoyed me about that particular scene is Marvel does this. Well, I feel like all superhero films do this thing where they fetishize a certain type of technology. So in like the Iron Man films everyone wants an Iron Man suit. And in this film everyone wants shrinking technology that works. Yeah But like Corey Stoll's character has a gun. That kills anyone and turns him into like a giant puddle. Like no, a, I mean, a little was, bit of a little bit of goo. No, no, no
0: that wasn't a th- that was a shrinking right. Yeah, that was a
1: mouthful, but it was essentially a gun that could kill anyone instantly and turn them into like a little little But yeah, he wasn't shrinking. He was No,
0: but the thing is I think he tried yeah. to shrink him but it's because the, 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 then he goes Oh, we still haven't
1: work the bugs out. No, but i um, I think that was him making a joke. I think he knew. No, it was going I, to kill I the actually guy. feel that like it was him not having worked out the bugs yet. Look, my point is that malfunctioning shrinking ray is like a better weapon. Just mass produce that. Yeah. But yeah, look, I had, I had, I think this movie just absolutely personifies and, and encapsulates Marvel's villain problem. It's not unique to this film by any means, but this film just, the the character could have been anyone, and. Like, he almost didn't need to exist. Almost. Well, no, he did. For the story, he needed to be there. Oh, look. I, yeah, I just... I did like... The, okay, what did you think of the Yellow Jacket suit? I liked the design. I thought it was, thought it was a good design. Yeah. So, I, in the comics, essentially... Yellow Jacket Hank, is one of Hank's um, alter egos. So,
0: essentially, there comes a point in the comics where Hank Pym snaps, and he becomes this person, Yellow Jacket, but it's like he has... A, Hank Pym has a split personality. And he becomes that other personality, the yellow jacket. And he even thinks... He's constantly in costume and everything. And he thinks Hank Pym is a dickhead. Like, he is constantly yellow jacket. I feel like it was a pretty cool... Like, Marvel Cinematic Universe rendition of the yellow jacket outfit.
1: Yeah, I, look, I think it's classic... A classic case of them doing the thing where they, the villain's the, an evil version of the good guy. Yeah. But I, I agree. I think they, I think they did it as good as they could. I think the yellow jacket suit looks good. I liked the fact, the one thing Marvel does do well when it's uh, the villain's an evil version of the hero is they make the villain stronger, so the the hero has to do something heroic, or that shows their character when they beat him. So yeah. Like in this I guess case, in, it's, in this instance, he's got laser weapons and can fly. Whereas, yeah. like they mentioned that the Ant Man suit doesn't have any weapons; it's no. just a shrinking suit. Yeah,
0: which is I like that. It, you know, it's interesting. Like, I'm gonna throw a Thomas the Tank Engine at you. Yeah, that 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 ending fight scene
1: was very, very nice. nice.
0: Oh, I want to talk about the um, yes, the training, the, the montage, the training montage. Yeah, let's which get into then it. led to the final training sequence at the Avengers compound as well. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a
1: that's a great scene and a good. I'm so glad you brought that up because i would forgotten about it. Yeah, like I mean, I don't know if any
0: everything they talked about in regards to the ants is true. Like oh, if it's like are. factually
1: true. Yeah, factually yeah. true. In a movie about a shrinking man, it, it, like does it really matter? No, but
0: I did like like the shrinking and the with the ants and everything. It reminded me a bit of like you know I know it's, it's a similar film Honey I Shrunk the Kids, mm. but like that whole creature aspect, like the you know the mechanical tr- creature stuff. I thought that was really cool. It was interesting, and I liked the whole training montage. It was a a more unique
1: Training montage Compared to the Rest of the Marvel films Mm. I I think what I liked About that training montage Is that Compared to some Of the other characters Ant-Man sort of Powers are twofold There's the shrinking And there's the the Ant control And I think in the montage They made it very They sort of showed you here's what we can do with the shrinking, here's why it's a cool power. Mm. Because shrinking doesn't necessarily seem like a cool power. And same with the, like, controlling ants could be potentially lame, but instead they're like, here's why it's cool, here's how it's useful, here's some of the interesting ways we're going to use ants. And I like how they explained
0: the whole, even though you're that size, you still have your same strength. Yes, and density. Yeah, Yeah,
1: which I think sort of uh, makes the shrinking thing so much cooler rather than just, oh, he's a tiny man. Yes. And I mean, how good jumping through the keyhole? Yes, very I l- good. I love the fluidity that they bring to the shrinking. Yeah. I think that was a really wise choice.
0: I like the whole... They only do it in some parts, the whole shrinking, and it actually is very old school, yes. 80s,
1: how it's like,
0: it shows him going... It's very quick. It's mm. almost like a silhouette, like him, an outline of him going smaller, yes. smaller, smaller. which, again, brilliant. It reminded me a little bit of the
1: Hulk. I think there was a bit where, like the Hulk gets bigger and it comes mm. the Hulk I know there's certainly Hulk covers that do that where it shows like the transformation yeah,
0: which I, I, yeah it was very cool um, but yes then you know there was the uh, attempt on the Avengers compound to steal something
1: yeah well, I really liked that it was funny yeah it's, I think it's a good it, it's a good scene it was nice to see like Scott Lang sort of a person who comes across as an underdog yeah. win like basically go up against the Avengers and win and it was, I really enjoy Anthony Mackey as um, Sam Wilson. You know what? I'm enjoying him less and less. And the reason for that is this could just be the characterization. But I think initially when we first met Sam Wilson, he was sort of... He felt very grounded and not and not super cocky. And he's just become cockier and more like... More, yeah, more but, smart-mouthed. I and I, I just... We've I, got like enough that. Super, I, I like that in this one. I feel like there's enough superheroes that I like that. I like that he was sort of like... The soldier who is only doing this, not for thrills or because he enjoys no, it, but no. because he's helping Cap. Yeah, well, that's the
0: thing. He's helping Cap. And, I mean, that, we've got to, he's at the Avengers compound because, you know, he's training to be an Avenger because Cap wants him to be there.
1: Yeah. Look, I... I no, look, I still... Yeah, I enjoyed this fight scene. Mm. Um, I just don't like that this is sort of the beginning of, of cocky, mouthy, uh, mouthy um, Falcon. What did you think of the beginning
0: with... Um, Old school shield. Yeah, I. you know and, what? Um I think John Slattery is back as older. That's right, old. Anthony Starr, mm. which is cool. And then they aged Halley Atwell.
1: Yes, to sort of... And I think, as always, Halley Atwell looked
0: stunning. What did you think? Because you weren't a huge fan of really old. Oh, Hallie yes, atwell that's, atwell right. I really, that's right. With CGI. What did you think of her in this?
1: No, I don't think when she was really old was that CGI or I thought it was prosthetics I think, yeah I think it was a bit of prosthetics and CGI okay. look I think she barely gets any like we don't actually see her that off, that much in this scene mm. so I thought it was fine for the brief glimpses of we see her it looked fine okay uh, I, I did like um, although Hank Pym was like
0: yeah to the face
1: I, you know what I, I thought was cool about this is they sort of set up two sort of Marvel Universe family dynasties, the Starks and the Pims. Yeah. And I sort of made it clear that the Pim, like Hank Pym does not trust really anyone, and especially Tony, and especially Howard Stark. Yeah, exactly. And even Tony now. Yeah, which is, of course, touched on in, in Civil War, which we'll talk about in the next episode. Yeah, but
0: also even in this is like his, he mentions like... oh.
1: You know, um, Scotland goes, Why don't you
0: get the Avengers? It's like, oh, they're too busy dropping a building. Yeah, like, dropping a city down on the...
1: Almost, almost like like they're they they their kids playing in the mud. We're doing yeah, like a serious business. Yeah, it's almost like using a cleaver instead of a scalpel. Yeah. And I I do I really like that about this portrayal of Hank Pym. I think they tone down his met sort of the fact that he's mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that they still—he still had a coldness about him, and for a lot of the film, he wasn't a particularly pleasant person.
0: Yeah, and the, I mean, you find out in this film, like, because when he finally reveals to Janet, oh, sorry, not Hope. Yeah, Hope Van Dyne, that his mother didn't die. That, sorry, Janet's mother. You, yeah, I, Hope's mother. Sorry, Hope's mother. Janet didn't die in a plane crash. It was more she went on a mission, and I, and it showed that really cool—the um, flashback. To them in the eighties. Yeah, in the eighties, on a mission, and then you find out that. Hope Van Dyne miniaturized to the point so where. Janet when, Van Dyne. Sorry, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah, miniaturized and became like within molecules. Yeah, to so the, the quantum realm. As yeah, the called. quantum
1: realm. Um, yeah, I... it's hard to fault this movie in terms of writing and structure. Mm. Everything's set up so well. And they don't sort of like. They follow the Chekhov's gun rule. Whenever they introduce a concept, it pays off. So when yeah. they introduce the con- quantum realm. At the end, Scott has the same issue that um, that Janet and Hank did on the bomb, where he has to shrink down to the quantum realm mm. to get into um, Yellow Jacket's pack to disable it. I,
0: there was part of me, when I and I remember this now, when I first when I watched this for the first time. Yes. I thought when Scott um, Scott went to the the quantum realm, quantum realm, who was somehow going to find a fucking. Infinity Stone. And I, thought, <laughs> and I thought, you know what, if that was the case, I would groan and be like, why did you shove it in there? Like, I feel like if they had done that, it was like, there was no need.
1: Yeah, I just feel... You know what? I think one of the reasons I like this film is I'm so sick of this Infinity War stuff. So, I like the Infinity Gem stuff and how it railroads so many other films that mm. I'm very glad it's not in this one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, I mean, Janet Van Dyne is
0: apparently going to be in the next film.
1: Really? That's played cool. Played by... Do we have an actress? Um, she was in Basic Instinct with Sharon Stone.
0: Yeah, she's being played no by way. Sharon Stone.
1: Yeah. Well, you know what was funny to me is that in this film, there's like family photos of them that you never clearly see. Yeah. No, no, I... So it's clear that they they like well, wanted the... to leave it open to bring her back and didn't want to cast her yet.
0: Yeah, that's the same with like Tony and his mum. You never really see her yeah, until, until
1: Civil War. What, and when it's revealed, of course, it, you know they got murdered, so it it doesn't matter who plays her. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to touch on yeah uh, finally oh yes I would love to talk about the comedy in this film yes uh, and I'm just going to make this claim and I'm mm-hmm. keen to see what you think I think out of all the Marvel films I think the comedy in this film holds up the best and I am I'm, yeah, no, I'm including Ragnarok
0: yeah no uh, well I haven't rewatched really Ragnarok all right? okay. but I'm, I'm pretty you... sure it will hold up um, but yeah no I really enjoyed this I feel like it has held up quite well
1: I, what I what I noticed is it sort of had that that it, it really had the Paul Rudd school of comedy where you had sort of awkward interactions. Mm. You know, there's a lot of sort of funny awkward interactions that I felt organic enough. They didn't derail the film like some uh, some comedy comedy sometimes does in this film, and how I felt it did in for Ragnarok. I think mm. it there was almost they'd almost chase the comedy bone and go off the rails. Whereas I think here the comedy just felt a little bit. A little bit more natural. Yeah. No, and I feel like... And, like, Wright is such a great comedic actor. I mean, I think that's part of it.
0: Something I wanted to bring up. Mm. There is an Easter egg. So, yes, in all of the Phase 2 films... Yep. There is an Easter egg, which is sort of like a,
1: a reference to Empire Strikes Back. Okay, well, I think the one in Cap Civil War is pretty obvious. Which one's that? The one where they lasso giant man's feet and then push him over, like they did with the. Uh... No, I'm talking about everyone
0: losing their like people losing an arm. It's a reference to that. Oh, okay. And losing his arm. So basically, so in Iron Man three, Tony cuts off Eldridge Killian's arm. Okay, yes, near the end. For uh, the Dark World, you get the illusion of Loki cutting off Thor's hand. Yep. Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Does Bucky get his arm ripped off? Um. Well, it's involved. Bucky did lose his arm. Yes. You saw him with without an arm. Yes. Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy. Gamora cuts off her. No, not Gamora. Um.
1: That's right. Gamora's yeah. Sister, Nebula, Nebula, Nebula cuts cut cut her, off her arm I
0: believe. Yep. Avengers: Age of Ultron. Cull um. Sorry, Claw loses oh, his yes, arm. Oh yes. Yep. Um, And then in Ant-Man, Yellow Jacket loses his arm as one of the first things before he blows up.
1: Oh, yes. Interesting. Yes. There you go. Well, an Easter egg I'd like to point out is in the scene where uh, Scott Lang uses the Ant-Man suit for the first time in the bathroom, you know how he falls out the window and hits the car? Mm. That car is driven by an actor called Garrett Morris, Mm -hmm. and Garrett Morris played the character of Ant-Man in a... In an SNL skit from way back uh, where they had the Superman's funeral. So he apparently is like the first actor to, to play Ant-Man. Yeah.
0: Even though it was just like for an
1: SNL skit. So it was a tribute. It, he was in it and it was sort of like a nod to him. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's very like it's a uh, it's pretty a, a bit of a deep cut. Hmm. <laughs> When we were talking about people. Oh, nice! Yeah, no, I, I, I I have managed to put the logic together. Yes. Oh well, shall we? Uh, shall we? Yeah, Take time ten... to Is it revisit Stan? your favorite era. Fucking Stan. Stanley Stan Lee. Where we just dis- damn cameos.
0: We, we, yeah, where we d- discuss Stan's cameos in a film. So in this one, it wasn't so bad. it, yes, was, it was good. Um, Louis talking about how he got the hot tip to break into Hank Pim's mm. um, house, and it was like a tell. It was no, him. Was it, was it? Was where it? it? was.
1: Or was it the one at the end where he's giving Scott another hot tip? Yeah, it was the one at the end where he's oh, giving okay. Scott another hot yeah, tip. Yeah. So basically, he's
0: telling um, the story and he's talking and saying what everyone's saying when you go to that. Yeah. So basically, it's like a
1: montage of different people talking, and his voice is superimposed on top of them. Yeah. And one of them is a bartender, who of course is Stan, Stan Lee. Lee, because he can't not be in a fucking Marvel film. Um, but yeah, look, this cameo. I think is an example of doing it well because it's quick mm. uh, and be, because like it, you actually needed someone like they that role had to be filled by someone so it's Stan whereas a lot the really bad Stanley cameos are where they've deliberately written him in Yeah. so I think this was a good use of Stan okay do you um, want to talk about the after credits? yeah please? let's talk about the after credits so uh, first one so the
0: first mid-credits scene uh, Pim shows uh, Hope Van Dyne A new Wasp prototype suit That she um, Was creating For
1: her mum Yes I her, mean it's half finished For Janet Van Dyne Yeah For her mum Janet Van Which I feel Dyne. like The fact that it's half finished Is like a very easy way For them to be like Oh we've made a gap If we want to redesign the suit
0: <laughs> Yeah No it's pretty cool But then like yeah And then you get Hope saying About damn time And I like that um, It's like yeah We're fucking pushing
1: you know, yeah, what? after she's been sidelined the entire film, yeah, no, like I, this whole film was about a woman who is more capable being replaced by a man. Yeah, like him I, picking the inexperienced man over. Yeah, I yeah, know. Look, no, they write no, no, it well, which is like he doesn't he's, want he's ex- to want. He doesn't. He's expendable, whereas yeah, he doesn't want to risk his daughter. But it did feel yeah. like the capable woman is being I sidelined know, for, a, yeah. for a bumbling man. It was a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit much.
0: But um, then we've got a post-credit scene, which is Wilson. It's literally. They've done this before. It's literally a
1: grab yes. from Captain Which, America Civil War. And when Sam Wilson says, I know a guy, he's not referring... In the film, he's not referring to Ant-Man. Yeah, I'm he pre- is. Is he? I'm pretty sure he's referring to, like, Hawkeye. No, no, he knows. Well... Yeah, he knows. Anyway, that, yeah, it was like a literal just... It it was shitty. It was... Yes. Like, film a freaking original stinger if you're going to make this a thing. Don't just give us, a like, a chunk from another movie. Um... Something else... Um... Yeah, I'm
0: trying to think now. Uh, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's all right. I'm it's trying good. to it's think fine. off the top of my head for our next segment. So we've looked at the post. We've looked at the credits.
1: Now we're on to our section, which is yeah. If you like, if this, you like
0: this, read this. I'm trying to think of some Ant Man comics off the top. Of my well,
1: head. I'm I'm happy to go first. Yeah, I, my go Do you mind? I'm going to explain to the listener what this segment is. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, as I've said numerous times on the podcast before. Unfortunately, Disney doesn't do a particularly good job at, when they release these movies, encouraging people to go to the comics. So don't worry, Disney, we've got your back. We're going to recommend you some comics that we think you might like if you happened to like this film. Uh, now, Billy, like you, I'm not a, I'm not a big Ant-Man guy. Uh, in, in terms of the comics, I haven't really mm. read much.
0: I've read more Scott Lang than I have Hank. Okay.
1: Uh, but look, I'm going to go ahead and, for my Marvel pick... Mm-hmm. i am going to uh, recommend irredeemable ant-man okay uh, so it's robert kirkman the Ant-Man that's not even in this film yeah you, look well like how many ant-man books are there there's not a whole bunch yes. uh and this is written by robert kirkman of course invincible fame um, Okay. and i feel like for its time it was an it, it was an interesting concept because it uh which was sort of like what if a scumbag became a superhero. Because this was before we did Superior Spider-Man and way before Cap's Secret Empire, so this was still a a fresh idea. Yeah,
0: I mean, the thing is, um, Scott Lang started out as a scumbag as well. Really? He stole the original Ant-Man outfit, I believe, to help his daughter at the time.
1: Again, something that they work into this film. Yeah. Yeah, so, so that will be my pick The Irredeemable Ant-Man
0: Have you got any other picks as well?
1: Yeah, look, I've recommended this before But I'm going to recommend it again Because it's a, it's a good book um, The Fix So this is from Image Comics Illustrated by Steve Lieber And written by everyone's favourite comic writer Nick Spencer <laughs> uh, Who, of course, got a lot of shit for writing Secret Empire But it's a goofy crime caper yeah. About two crooked cops And I think it, it's, you know, it's very much a, a goofy comedy a crime book So I think it shares a lot of DNA with Ant-Man, which of course is, you know, a a heist film, and it's got a strong comedic uh, bones to it as well. Okay. Um, I
0: am going to mention um, the comic book series FF, because he was in that. Oh, yeah, written by Matt Fraction
1: with uh, art
0: by... So the Fantastic Four left the Marvel Universe to do some exploring, um, and ant Man, I think, She-Hulk. And Medusa as well. Medusa and, I think, She-Thing, or someone who's playing the role of Thing in a Thing outfit or something. Yes,
1: and it was was written by Matt Fraction and Mm -hmm. illustrated by Mike Aldred. Yes, which is great. Yeah, he's got such a sort of like a 60s sort of poppy vibe to his art. Yeah.
0: Um, Another, um, he has done another series which is
1: called Fraction or uh, Mike Al- Aldred
0: um, no no, no uh, as in um, Scott Lang oh okay and it was actually written by uh, Nick Spencer oh yeah sponsor, I think that's Ant the most Man. recent Ant-Man yeah, series Ant-Man and then it became The Astonishing Ant-Man
1: interesting and I think I think like the initial premise for that series was that he becomes like a security consultant for Tony Stark yes uh, which I, I think is like a great premise for the character
0: but yeah um, definitely look up some more um, Scott Lang I mean, go to your local yeah. comic book store. And, yeah, and uh, tell them, look, you want to read more Scott. I like
1: that we've just given up, and at this point, of just like no, no, we could. No, no, I mean, you do it yourself.
0: There's so many. Like, I mean, the, the, the well, ones we've mentioned are great.
1: Yeah, and I think the. I guess the thing about a character like Ant Man is a lot of the time it's more that he makes notable appearances in other books. Yeah, in group right, books. Yeah, rather than it's not often that he has his own series. And when he
0: does have his own series, it's a limited run.
1: Yeah, usually for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, I think that's it for us this week. Yes. Um, so, um, you can get us on Wushoka yeah. um, and, or iTunes, it's basically to Infinity War and beyond. Yeah,
1: and if you could write us a review, we'd be very appreciative, it helps people find the show.
0: You can find us on Geek of Oz on our website and or on
1: Facebook. And where are you on Twitter, Billy? I am Aqualek on Twitter. And I am at Weekly Geek, and we are both at, at Geek of Oz. Yes. Alright, see you next week. See you then.